0: really weird. Uh, it, I, I'm first off going to introduce my guest at this time. His name is DeMichael Cole, who has come back home to Memphis, and he is now with the Commercial Appeal beat rider of the Memphis Grizzlies. DeMichael Cole, how are you doing, sir? Man, I'm doing great, Sean. It's, it's
1: good to join you. Thanks for having me. Uh, man, I've been doing great, just, you know, getting adjusted to the new beat. And, um, you know, getting into a flow of things. It's been a pretty busy couple of weeks since I got here, but it's it's
0: been fun. man. It's been fun. Well, I, I, while I only will say that I can speak for myself. I do feel confident in saying for others in, in the first few basic months that you've been here, it's been great to hear your voice. It's been great to get your perspective. So many great stories out there. I know you've got a story on Rob Fisher and, you know, his versatility over the past couple of days and also a wonderful story on the significance of the Bulls in the Grizzlies plan on Dr. Martin Luther King Day and the impact he had on both cities. We'll obviously discuss that in a bit. But DeMichael, I, I'm wearing a, a black polo here and I'm wearing and I got a a, a black uh chair behind me. I think it's because I, I'm kind of in mourning that we're doing this show after a Grizzlies loss. It's so weird. If I'm correct, this is the first loss the Grizzlies have experienced since you got on the beat covering the team. Is that right? Yeah. Um I believe the first game that I that I
1: did, like, was when I went through my the recap and everything was the Golden State game. But right after that, I mean they they wrote they rolled off eleven straight. But um, it's it's so it's been it's been kind of crazy, you know, just jumping on the beat and the team just reels off this big streak. And you know, uh, I mean, you knew at some point, you know, especially with the way it happened and everything, that the wheels were eventually gonna fall off. But uh, man, it was it was a pretty wild way to come. Uh, come on the beat a lot of people were were looking at me like a good luck charm or something
0: (laughs) we'll continue to look at it that way because at the end of the day one loss is one loss but I'll ask you this question Um, you know for those that DeMichael is from Memphis was uh, started off his riding career in Philadelphia and, and the best decision of his life so far was the fact that he attended the University of Tennessee but we won't get too much into that but the point that I will say is is that with DeMichael. Coming off that loss against Dallas, obviously you, the wheels fell off. is is a good way of looking at it. Fatigue, settled in, shots would not fall. But I'll just ask in general: Are there any concerns beyond that that you took from that loss to Dallas? That kind of you know was a reminder that you know, as wonderful as things are, still clear areas where this team needs to work. Um. Well, I think there you know there are areas that they need to work.
1: Of course, even while they were winning, you know, you sometimes winning. Cures, you know, you, you overlook mistakes and things like that when a team is winning sometimes. But at the end of the day, I, I think, you know, you can't take too much from that game because a tired team, I mean, it's you know, that's that's the it's not an excuse in NBA when you talk about a team being tired. It's it's not really an excuse. It's a legitimate reason as to why a team can lose a game. It, it causes a lot of short jump shots. Um, it impacts effort on defense just because you don't have the legs, you don't have the energy, and you're playing a team that had a day off, you know, and even though they traveled, it was a short trip. So, I mean, they have fresher legs, and and they played like the fresher team over, over the course of the game. And I think the best indication that there isn't much more to worry about than the fact that the Grizzlies got tired is the first half. They looked like the better team for the most part of the first half. They just wore down. That's what happened when you have a tired team. Eventually, those minutes stack up, and you don't have much left. So I don't, I don't think you can take too much from it. I think even um, the Mavs players that I talked with after the game, um, Luka Doncic, I mean, very humble guy. I think naturally, but still, he was very complimentary. I asked him uh, what did he think if you know they see the Grizzlies in the playoffs because that could be a three six four five possible matchup. And he says that would be a tough opponent. We would have to bring it, we would have to be at our best to beat them. He was very complimentary of them, and he was very complimentary of John Morant. So I don't think there's too much to take from that game. You know, if if there are some traits that develop, then then we can, you know, revisit that discussion. But I think it was just, they're tired and they get a couple days off and they're at home. So they don't have to travel throughout those couple days. You can't get any better than that. Mm
0: You're exactly correct, and, and I agree with you. At, at the end of the day, if the shots aren't falling, there's nothing you can do to control that, and fatigue is going to catch up with you. Even for a team that loves to get out on the run, is as young as the Grizzlies, it's going to eventually catch up with you. But a couple of things that are kind of eye-opening is that over this streak, and I'm not sitting here trying to be a you know negative Nate or anything like that. I'm just sitting here looking at the numbers, is that over this 11-game winning streak, you look at the numbers, the Grizzlies have been towards the bottom of the league in three-point shooting, towards the bottom of the league in free throw shooting. Again, they've overcome it. But especially with Jaron Jackson Jr., if there is a bit of a concern, is that there are going to be games where if Desmond Bain is not on from three, you've got to rely on others to shoot. It's not John ja Morant having a great shooting game. Then you're you're kind of you know stuck in, in you know in between a rock and a hard place. Jaron's shooting, we know it's there. I don't necessarily think it's a concern, but it certainly would be good to get him back going to support Desmond and Jaw from distance.
1: Yeah, Sean, I mean, I I agree with you a hundred percent because the thing about uh just Jaron Jackson and Junior and the way he plays is I feel like you know when we saw him play the five in those games where Stephen Adams was out. I believe it was three games and two of the three games, he had really, really good games where he's pushing 20 points and things like that. Once he's at that five, he's able to go off the dribble more, attack the rim, be a little bit more aggressive, call, draw fouls. And that, and that leads to better, you know, that leads to rhythm shots. Whereas when he's at the four, yeah, stephen Adams banging in the paint. There's not a lot of driving room because once you drive, that other big man is going to rotate over and, you know, things like that. So he's, taking a lot of three-pointers without having a rhythm. And, you know, we saw early in his career how well, you know, he could really, really shoot the ball when he has it going. But right now, I mean, I think, you know, you're kind of training him to be that five. And, and and it's like you have to play him. You know, you have to play him at the four So probably – I mean, and and that's the thing they have to figure out because later on in the season we could see them go to a Brandon Clark at the four, Jaron Jackson at the five, and I think that would be – you know, better for his offensive skill set than playing alongside Stephen Adams. But you talk about things like what has made this team dominant? Rebounding. You need Stephen Adams in there. To, so it's, it's, you know, gives and takes both ways. And, and it impacts Jaron Jackson Jr., I think, more than any other player in the starting lineup.
0: good and astute point that you're bringing up about Jaron Jackson Jr. is that when he's at the five and he's got that freedom of being able to have the paint, not as clogged with a Steven Adams there because you can get Brandon Clark out. He's Mm -hmm. got the ability to take his defender off the dribble to where he's not at his overall value is not as reliant on offense on the three. So that's a very, very good point. But the thing that I'll also say is, and that leads to it to another fun topic is Brandon Clark at the four, Jaron at the five starting or Jaron at the four, Steven Adams at the five starting for Mm -hmm. me. I'm perfectly fine with Clark and Jaron Jackson. The numbers are excellent. you want to see that for the future of this team to see how they can do against the other team's best players. But right now with those struggling from three, the possession edge that is gained from Jaron and Adam's defense plus Adam's offensive rebounding is hugely important as well. When it comes to that trio, DeMichael, are you on board with seeing what you got with Clark and Jaron starting going forward to see, you know, what that pairing could do against the opponent's best lineups, or do you still think Stephen Adams should have a significant role in that trio as well when it comes to playing starting minutes versus closing minutes, what have you?
1: Sean, I, I think you start Stephen Adams. You 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 deal you deal with you know what comes offensively, the inconsistencies with Jaron Jackson Jr. because he's he's too talented. Eventually, you know. He's gonna have some games where he's really good. He's gonna have some games where he's not as good. But you have enough offensive talent in that lineup with Moran and and Bain, and eventually, you know, Dylan Brooks will be back. So I think you you stick with it, being that you know Adams is so good at some of those smaller things and the way he dominates the glass, like you just mentioned, with those extra possessions. That's so important. And at the end of the day, we got to think ahead, right? You gotta you gotta look ahead to the playoffs, and in the playoffs. More than likely, you're going to have to either face Rudy Gobert, who's one of the best rebounders in the NBA. DeAndre Aiden, who's one of the best rebounders in the NBA. Um, The Lakers will have Anthony Davis back. And, you know, he's a he's a he's a better rebounder than Jaron Jackson. So they'll have him back. Um, I mean, the list goes on, you know, with that top tier group, you know, Jokic, same way. Um, You're going to you're going to need it. You're going to need Stephen Adams. You're going to need that force, that physicality that he brings. It's funny because just talking to all the coaches, the opposing coaches, and I'd almost be willing to say that a co- opposing coaches have Stephen Adams second on the game plan behind John Morant above Because of all the little things that he brings to the table, I mean, the rebounding, those extra possessions kill teams. And, you know, the screens he sets for Desmond Bang, who was – Outside of the three-point shooting, he's become a really, really, really good cutter, and a lot of that is Stephen Adams just setting those brick wall screens. It's it's the little things with the Brandon Clark James combo. You get a lot more fun. You get them out in transition. You get more alley You get the high flying blocks and things like that. But at the end of that, I think just the winning lineup and the lineup that you want to use in the postseason, you're gonna to want to have Stephen Adams on the court to, to guard Nikolai Jokic or or DeAndre Ayton. Or uh, you know, Rudy Gobert and, and and that type, those type of guys.
0: I agree completely. At the end of the day, that's what makes this Grizzlies team so good, is that you've got so many players who yep. do the roles that they do, and they do it at a very good rate. We'll get with DeMichael here in just a second, talking about another Grizzly who we're all awaiting coming back. But before we do that want to talk with you for a second about Shopify. Shopify gives entrepreneurs the resources once reserved for big business. So upstart startups and established businesses alike can sell everywhere, synchronize online and in-person sales, and effortlessly stay informed. If you go to shopify.com slash MBA, use all lowercase for LockedOnMBA. You'll get a free 14-day trial. and get full access to Shopify's entire suite of features. Grow your business with Shopify today. Go to shopify.com slash LockedOnMBA right now, shopify.com. Slash locked on NBA. Very excited because this is the first time I've had the chance to speak with DeMichael Cole of the Commercial Appeal. Evan Barnes has been a wonderful, wonderful voice covering the Grizzlies. DeMichael Cole is now there right with him. But the thing that makes DeMichael Cole so awesome besides being a Tennessee volunteer, is it's a fresh perspective, right? Evan Barnes is wonderful. Everybody who covers the Grizzlies is wonderful. And in his short time here, DeMichael is showing his perspective is wonderful as well. And DeMichael, I'll ask you this question because I know there's a player – that I know you follow the Grizzlies for years, but someone that you've not get to see play so far that much due to injury is Dylan Brooks. This team has shown that they're perfectly fine with you know out some of their best players for short stretches, but at their best this team this team playing top 10 defense is what matters. Dylan Brooks helps us consistently do that. How impactful has his absence been in your opinion? Well, I think it's it's one of those band
1: aid things, and, and I kind of wrote about this as well, basically saying right now you can survive without him. You know, you have the the second weakest schedule in the in the Western Conference for the remainder of the season. So right now you can go through stretches and say, um, you know, we have a, enough good players where we can we can firmly stay in the top four of the Western Conference without you know anything crazy happening. So you'll need him to win in the postseason. You're going to need him to guard potentially a Kawhi Leonard who could come back or a Devin Booker or a Donovan Mitchell or, or, or you know, any of these guys. Jamal Murray is probably going to come back with Denver sometime soon. You're going to need him to guard those guys. And I and I wrote in, a, in the last win that they had against the Timberwolves, it was the game where I believe Anthony Edwards had 29 and D'Angelo and, and Russell had 28. And they won the game. You know, it was an impressive win. But I said, this was the first game where I saw, and I said, this is the game they needed Dylan Brooks. Because if you watch that game in the first half, Anthony Edwards torched them, 25 points in the first half. In the second half, it was D'Angelo Russell keeping him in the game and getting to wherever he wanted to get to on the court. Now, you know, eventually the Grizzlies wore them down and, I mean, talent took over and just, they were, they're the better team, but. That game wouldn't even have gotten down to those last few possessions if when Anthony Edwards has 15 points in the first half, you say, Dylan, get him. Or as soon as D'Angelo Russell gets going in the second half, you say, Dylan, you know, switch on to Russell now. And, you know, you didn't have that right now. We've seen periodically, even in the game, they won against the Suns where Devin Booker, you know, scores over 30 points. And he, in that last shot, Devin, Desmond Bain made that critical mistake where he leaves Booker and Booker, you know, rises up for that three where John ja Morant bails him out on the other end. But if John ja misses, we're talking a lot more about Desmond Bain, you know, um, not being there with Devin Booker on that shot. So it's like the winning, like we said earlier, the winning will mask some of these things. But overall, they haven't, you know, just necessarily missed him, I would say. But you're going to need him. You you can't – I mean, honestly, it'd be difficult to see them winning a first-round series, in my perspective, without, without Dylan Brooks, even though I think – I mean, can they? Of course. But they're going to need him. You're going to need him because rotations are going to get shorter, and some of these guys that are playing on these benches right now, when the Grizzlies bring in their depth and Tyus Jones and Brandon Clark and these guys and they take off, those bench guys are going to be playing six, seven, eight minutes. So they're not going to be important. You're going to have to guard Jamal Murray for 40 minutes. You're going to have to guard Kawhi Leonard for 38 minutes, probably. You're going to have to guard, you know, Devin Booker for 40 minutes. You're going to need that dog, and he's the guy. So they don't miss him as much right now, but I think, you know, eventually you're going to need him. If if you want the Grizzlies to maximize their potential and possibly come out of this worst conference,
0: you need Dylan Brooks. You just went through a list of great examples. And you know, another example of that was this past Friday night, when Luka Doncic was cooking in that third quarter, Who is the perfect guy to put on him and also give you that energy? And the other thing, though, that stands out, because you're absolutely right, against those elite guys, Dylan's one of the best in the league at maybe not shutting them down, but at least making them have to work hard and containing Mm -hmm. them a bit when it comes to the opposition's, you know, highest usage player, best score, what have you. But the other thing that stands out to me to Michael is not only the energy, but in games where a jaw is limited or games where a a a Desmond is not, you know, hitting his threes. Dylan is a guy that can create his own shot. He's a nice layer to back up those two as a safety net. And so I think his offense certainly stands out as well at times. You could especially see it when job ja was out in December. Yeah. 100%. I mean, he had the, he had the best
1: stretch of his career, right? Five games in a row with 20 or more points. And, and when, when ja was out, they went 10 and two. I mean, he, he was great. He was getting to his spots. He was making shots all over the floor and we've seen, you know, Dylan Brooks, the shot creator and, even I would say it hasn't looked particularly pretty with him and Ja in the lineup yet, but we've seen it, you know, we saw the playoffs last season when him and Ja had a really special game against Utah together. So, it's like it can happen and we know You know you know eventually it, it probably will happen. Right now, they haven't clicked this well, but net rating wise, I mean, that lineup is still, I believe, six plus sixteen, plus seventeen points when it's Dylan Brooks, Bain, John Morant, uh, Steven Adams, and Jaron Jackson Jr., they're still blasting opponents, even though it's you know it's only been about 90 minutes. But uh, it's a very strong lineup, and I think, you know, eventually get him back. Get him going offensively with John Morant in the lineup, with Desmond Bain in the lineup, so he can play off of those guys, get to his spots while they get to their spots as well.
0: And you got a really special thing cooking up, Sean. And the other thing that I'll, since we're talking about personnel at the moment, the other thing that that I would love to see, obviously, is with Dylan being out and, you know, the starters, you know, not really having their impact over the past few games like they've been having, the bench has had to step up. I I find it hard to believe there's a better bench combination right now than Tyus Jones and Brandon Clark that are playing, especially with their scoring. But in terms of advantage, in terms of impact, you know when he's at his best, it's hard to find a grizzly other than John Morant, who's as impactful as De'Anthony Melton. But unfortunately, since coming back from being out with health and safety protocols, De'Anthony Melton has struggled. The Grizzlies have been okay, but that's another layer that if we could get him going, that would be awesome. Just from what have you seen to Michael, it always seemed like he was going to fall off a bit from the leaps that he took offensively last year. The defense hasn't really fallen off as much, but just overall, you're definitely not getting the advantage that he creates that you've seen earlier this year and last year, you're not getting that same De'Anthony Melton. How does he figure it out to, to get back to being that best version of himself for the Grizzlies? Man, Sean, Sean, that's the question. Because
1: at the end of the day, when, when these guys get back, um, you don't know how COVID impacts them. You, you just don't, unless we get a chance to ask them, we haven't had a chance to talk with De'Anthony Melton yet since he's returned. But, uh, You know, you don't know. Maybe it's impacting him. Maybe it's just he's more of a rhythm guy and he he has some rust there, or maybe he's just straight up struggling. You know, he's hitting the wall, but I don't think it's something you know too concerning. But I think it is. uh, His minutes are are starting to get trimmed. You know, Tyus Jones is playing really well. Zaire Williams is really stepping into a nice role, and Zaire is the guy who's mainly cutting into those you know uh, DeAnthony Melton minutes there, and it's, it's, it's a, it's a concern for sure. But I think, you know, he'll, he'll find himself because he's, he's a talented player. He's a guy I, I like, I like just, you know, the speed, the pace he plays that he gets to, he's one of those guys. He doesn't, you know, he's not one of those guys where you say, what, what type of shot was that, you know, where you see some guys, they end up just sports he, every shot he takes, it looks like a D'Anthony Milton shot. And that's, you know, you can't say that with a lot of players. I think eventually he'll be fine, but, working his way back a little bit slower than, you know, I think Grizzly fans may have gotten spoiled when Jair, I mean, Zaire Williams comes back and has a big game. Jared Culver comes out of protocols and have a big game. And, um, you know, all these guys we saw, even with Steven Adams, Steven Adams had to to get his conditioning back, even when he was out of health and safety protocols for the Timberwolves game, but his conditioning just wasn't there enough for him to play yet. So what you're having right now is maybe he has to work his way back. He's only been playing about 15 minutes or so, so there, 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 just may be that. Or, I mean, he'll find himself if it's if it's something more. I think, like like you said, Melton at his best is is a legitimate talent player on this
0: team. And it just reminds you, we're talking about Dylan being out. We're talking about, you know, D'Anthony Melton struggling. We're talking about Jaron struggling. Despite winning, what, 21 out of 26 games now, we've still not seen the best version of this team. And that's what makes it so exciting. And we're going to talk with DeMichael about that in just a moment. But I want to talk to you a little bit about, you know, who to bet on. And, and DeMichael was there, I believe, when Desmond Bain got the fan base excited a bit when it came to saying he's going to be in that three-point competition if he's asked. So if when it comes to betting, I would bet on Desmond Bain. But in general, when it comes to you betting, BetOnline.ag, title sponsor of the show, is a great place for you to go. The NFL's going on, playoffs, NHL, basketball, UFC. All you got to do is go to your mobile device or on the laptop, new updated site, put in the promo code locked on, you'll get a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Check out betonline.ag today. Now, I'm not sure what DeMichael. Enjoys for breakfast, but I'm sure he likes options. But I can tell you this a versatile option that you could have is Built Bar. Over 18 different flavors to choose from at built.com. You can also put in the promo code locked15 and get 15% off. But like the Grizzlies have so many options that can step up and help them win a the game. You can win your day by going to Built Bar and checking it out. When you make it a part of your day, it's going to be there to stay. Go to built.com, get your favorite flavor, put in that promo code locked15 and get 15% off your next order from Built Bar. So, DeMichael, we're getting into a fun time of the season, and we talk about the fact that the Grizzlies have not had the real chance to be at their best because they just haven't had their best players on the court that much. We do have a very tough week coming up. Bulls on Monday. Then you've got the Bucks, You've got the Mavericks this week as well. And then you've also got the uh, um, 76ers and the Jazz waiting as well. But after that, the schedule gets a bit easier. But DeMichael, Michael, I'll ask you this, and I know you'll probably have plenty of details to cover this. That trade deadline is coming up. We've already heard Woj say not a lot is expected from the Grizzlies. I don't think that there should be because there's just not a lot that you need. Let this team ride out and see what you've got. What's DeMichael Michael Cole's version? What does DeMichael Michael Cole feel the Grizzlies should do when it comes to the trade deadline this year? Yeah,
1: um, I think people, people like the flashy moves and things like that. But a lot of times, it's those moves where you're just you just putting on the final little piece of the puzzle that 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 makes it right, it, and it doesn't take much. I mean, last year with the Bucks, it was getting PJ Tucker, you know, something as small as that. Or I mean, a lot of times that's all it takes. Um, it it doesn't have to be these big, fancy moves. And ooh, the other team in the finals was the Suns. For them, it was getting a guy like Torrey Craig, who became a big piece for them. So it's a lot of times we overthink it and we say, oh, you you, you go get Jalen Brown. You go get Bradley Beal. You go get Ben Simmons. And at the end of the day, um, ego ego is a thing in the NBA. And I was talking with uh, Brevin Knight, actually, uh, the other day about this. And we were saying that, you know, the Grizzlies, they don't have that problem. The Grizzlies don't have that ego problem because these are a bunch of guys who are embedded into a culture and once you bring in a star, you're gonna to cater to him a little bit. You know, you wanna make him feel comfortable being around and you don't know how everyone's gonna accept that and all that. But short answer is I don't I don't think you have to do much. I think there are there are moves to be made, but there aren't any moves that are gonna excite the fan base. But but there are moves to be made. I think you never can have enough three and D wings. I think a guy like Robert Covington makes sense in Portland. You know, you could go hit him. You could play him at the three. Let's say, I mean, I like Zaire Williams and what he's done. But let's say he hits, you know, a rookie wall or something. You have this vet and Robert Covington who you'd rather have him guarding, you know, a guy like LeBron than having, you know, Covington. Or, you know, Covington could shoot better from three than like a guy like Kyle Anderson or so forth. And he could play the three, the four. You know, a guy like that who fits the versatility, who fits the mentality. I think another guy, um, there are some backup big men out there who, who I think would make sense. I think you need to get a a backup, probably legitimate seven-foot, you know, big bruise, another Steven Adams-type player. Because, as I just mentioned, I mean, you have to measure yourself up with the top of the Western Conference, right? So you look at the Jazz. They got Rudy Gobert, and when he gets his two fouls, Hassan Whiteside is coming right in the game. DeAndre Aiden gets his two fouls. JaVale McGee's coming right into the game. DeAndre Jordan gets his two fouls. Here comes Dwight Howard. So. You measure yourself up against those teams. I think it's those small pieces, man. The Grizzlies don't need to go get Jalen Brown. Now, you know, if they get Jalen Brown, you know, now you're talking about, you know, having some legitimate star power to go with Moran, and it'll look fun, but we don't know how it will work because now – because in order to get him, you're probably removing the bench depth. And, you know, sometimes that's good. Sometimes that works out for teams. Sometimes it doesn't. But if I was GM, if I was if I was climbing, I'm going out there. I, I'd scan the market for some backup bigs for a cheap second round pick, maybe, or or get a guy like Robert Covington, a good three and D wing, who you can say um, if Dylan Brooks, Dylan Brooks, you know, gets in foul trouble, or or if you maybe you want to put him on the court with Dylan Brooks if you're going against a team, hmm, one of those teams with two elite guards, maybe the Suns. You got Chris Paul, you got Devin Booker in the clutch, and you say. Um, okay, we put Robert Covington on one of these guys, and we put you know Dylan Brooks on the other. Now you're really cooking. So um, I think that's the move to make. Just get get solidified a wing with maybe another three and D guy, and, and get a backup big who who can bring that same amount of rebound. And you see when when Stephen Adams goes out of the game, sometimes the rebounding you know it takes a dip. Xavier Tillman's really good player, not not the type of rebounder that Stephen Adams is. And I think Brandon Clark brings some of that with his energy. But when he plays those bigger guys who are just technically more sound, like a Dwight Howard, JaVel McGee, I think that just presents more problems. So those are the moves to be made. Nothing that the fans will say, oh, wow, about. But, you know, Sean, I mean, we, we, we've seen how good they can be over these last 11 games. You don't you don't need to completely overhaul this. Let's This is not, you know, um, a six or seven seed right now that's looking to jump to where the Grizzlies are. So
0: you don't have to do too much. And I think that it may be, still be too early to call him this, but Kleiman DeMichael also has really turned into a master of the margins. He hasn't sat here and made these major moves, but he has hit on so many moves in the margins that that excites you, that even though it may not be the big flashy move like you're talking about, it still could be a very significant move that can certainly play out. But speaking of significant moves, I think it's a lot of fun. This isn't the first time. I, it, I think that the Bulls are our most – consistent opponent on Martin Luther King Day for obvious reasons. But this version of the Bulls in this game is a lot of fun. Unfortunately, Zach Levine is out. It's good to hear that his injury is not to, you know, not anything significant. But DeMar DeRozan, in my opinion, truly is a top five MVP candidate, one of the best stories of the year. And this Bulls team is right there in the Eastern Conference, a very strong offensive team that does enough on defense to to make it happen. When you look at this matchup tomorrow, even with Levine not being in the game, DeMichael, what stands out? Because even if you can contain DeMar slightly, there's still plenty of other options on the Bulls that can beat you. That's why they're as good as they are. Sean, this is going to be a
1: fun, fun game. Even, like you said, no Zach Levine. But, it's. I mean, we have seen the Bulls, the reason they're at the top of the Eastern Conference, because they've had – um uh, Vucevic, you know, in protocols, they've had uh Zach Levine in protocols, they've had uh, Lonzo Ball in protocols, but they have persevered each time. And they're a legitimate, they're a legitimate contender, I think. But I mean, I'm a matchups guy, Sean, every, every game, I, I, I pick out a single matchup, and it's the one I want to key in on. A lot of times, you know, it's it's the bigs. And I think, you know, Vucevic Adams will be fun. You know, it's gonna be a it's gonna be a lot of uh cold baths after that one. But the matchup that I wanna watch the most would be uh possibly Lonzo Ball if if he plays and then uh John Morant. You talk about two of the more explosive point guards in the NBA and you talk about John Morant going up against a bigger point guard. And you know another talented playmaker. I mean, I think that's gonna be a that'll be a real fun matchup to to watch. And then you want to see how they guard DeMar DeRozan. DeMar DeRozan has the ball in his hands a lot in the pick and roll. Who's gonna guard him? Um, you know, we've seen the Grizzlies use Zaire Williams to start out on Steph Curry. So that showed the confidence that they have. You know, in the rookie, do you go with the length with the rookie? And you know, you have DeMar DeRozan who had, he's a real strong guy. Or do you go with the stronger guy in Desmond Bain, but you have the Rosen who can rise over the top with anyone with that mid-range jumper? So, you you know, you, you figure out what you want to do there. But overall, I think this is an exciting game. I wrote in uh, my story uh, about MLK Day that um, these two teams are two of the biggest surprises in the NBA, being that uh, they've done it different ways. And I talked to Brevin Knight about this as well. We talked about how – the Grizzlies did it more organically, you know. It's it's drafting, it's hitting on the margins, like as you pointed out, and things like that. Whereas, the Bulls said, "Okay, we we got Kobe White here. Uh, okay, we we traded for Zach Levine. All right, we we can't we can't sit here for long. Let's let's go out and get some of these guys. They go get Vucevic. Then Demar says he wants to join up, and and boom, just like that. So they 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 were more aggressive with their approach. And on, the only way for that type of team to work. Is you have to put egos to the side, and we were referencing egos earlier. The Bulls have really put their egos to the side. DeMar is that type of guy, uh, one of the most likable players in the league. You know, he really speaks out openly about mental health, and and he's just a really likable guy. But the Grizzlies, it's it's going to be a fun matchup. But Ja Morant, Lonzo Ball, lock me in for uh, you know Ja's going to come back really aggressive this game, but and but
0: Lonzo's a really good defender too. So that's that's the matchup, time. And then to Michael, you know, as we're here with the Michael Cole, one other quick question to Michael, your story um, that you that you talked about earlier today. You also talked about how when it came to Martin Luther King Jr., obviously the impacts that, you know, obviously on the nation, but Memphis, Chicago in general, you know, it's always special for much more important reasons outside of a basketball game being played. The Grizzlies are going to honor Muggsy Bogues and others. But, you know, it's great to have this type of spotlight on Memphis in general, but for the reason honoring as great of a man as Dr. King was. Just speak to, you know, from your experience, you know, being an NBA fan, but also like you did in your story, just how important is it, should it be to everybody when it comes to, you know, the significance uh, of this game itself, but also the man that it's honoring in Dr. Martin Luther King Jr.?
1: Yeah, man, it's it's important. And, and we say, you know, this game is important every year, you know, because it, it always paints that picture. It, it highlights, you know, what Dr. King did uh, for, for us and, and, and for these, you know, these types of cities. And that's what I focused on in the story was Memphis and Chicago being, you know, two of the blacker cities in America at that time, in terms of population, in terms of being, you know, a lot of the Black people being stuck in, you know, poverty-stricken neighborhoods. Uh, those were two uh, cities where that happened, a whole bunch. And and I actually wrote in that story, I did not even think a lot of people knew this, but Dr. King referred to Chicago as the most segregated, you know, city in the nation, more so than all of the cities that he routinely visited in the South, including Memphis. So uh, it was really important for me to point out the fact that Dr. King actually, you know, he had an apartment in Chicago. He went up there and stayed. He really, you know, was trying to. He had a end the slums pa- campaign that he was working with with some people in Chicago that they were hoping to, you know, um, put together there. And he encountered some similarities. Whereas when he came to Memphis, um, some political drawback, uh, some some media drawback at times, like with the sanitation workers and things like that. And um, I think it's just it's important. When you get Chicago and Memphis together, that's that's the specific thing we can highlight because with Dr. King's legacy, we're always going to honor, you know, just the whole wide viewpoint of what he did. But you have to find those little intricacies, those little details of what he did particularly for these cities, what he did for Memphis and, you know, coming, you know, multiple times. You know, everyone remembers the last time he came where he was assassinated, but he came in February. He came in March in he was really committed to helping these sanitation workers, and eventually, you know, they they did uh, get their benefits from that. But um, and then Chicago, and I think with those cities, it was important to point out the similarities. Whereas uh, in Chicago, he went there, and it was completely different because it wasn't, you know, like the South in terms of just um, the brute drawback that you get. But it it was different because in the South, you had more black support than you did when he went to Chicago. You got to think about it. You had more black business owners and things like that that felt like he was trying to mess up their flow. So you got black clergymen, black councilmen that are that are not on board with Dr. King's plan. And, you know, in the South, he didn't have that type. So it was, it was different. But in a way, it was the same. Is just the political drawback he faced, the national uh, just... Uh, the national media's uh, look on some of the things that he did. So in that story, I just wanted to point that out. And, um, you know, Chicago and Memphis, like I said, they're, they're two cities. They're different, but they are similar in the way that, you know, Dr. King felt that both of these cities were cities that he needed to go to, to really uh, focus in on the plans, the nonviolence plans he had, the equality plans that he had uh, for his people and things like that.
0: And, and that's great insight. And, and you know, and that, that segues to, number one, go read DeMichael's story, please. It's an excellent story. You get an example of why his work is so good because of the opinion right there. It's not just a great opinion. It, it's backed up by great evidence and detail. So um, that, that was a wonderful answer, DeMichael. And now I ask you this, obviously, because this isn't the last time we're going to have you on Locked on Grizzlies podcast. Where could first off, you can follow DeMichael at DeMichael C on Twitter. Obviously, you can search his name as it is right there beat writer for the Grizzlies for the commercial appeal. I'm sure plenty of folks already know that, but to Michael, what can folks be looking forward to from you coming up over the next, you know, towards the end of January as the Grizzlies play a tough schedule, but also leading up to the trade deadline and the All-Star break this week also. The finals for the All-Star voting happen as well. John Morant's future as an All-Star starter, hopefully. What all things do you have in the uh, prepared for us coming up over the next few weeks, Michael?
1: Man, well, the number one thing that that I want to do is is I think I want fans to really get to know the players through me. And um, so you, you're going to get a lot more of, of, of those stories. I have a couple of things in the works now that will probably come out in the next couple of weeks just on this team. And and, and, and you know, just inside stuff on how 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 they're they're playing together. And we talked about earlier They're they're not an egotistic team. So we're going to go more in depth onto why they're not egotistic, uh, you know, how certain players are helping others and, and things like that. You're going to get a lot of that. We're going to do some fun stuff as well. You know, it's no secret to a lot of people that I'm, I'm a sneakerhead. I have a couple things that I'm working on with that. You know, we're going to do some fun stuff, you know, with the players. I, I just I want the, the fans to get to know the players, you know through me more than just, you know, how many three pointers is Desmond Bain making or or John Morant's highlight dunks. I feel like at the end of this season, it's you know when we get to the playoff run, people can really, you know, they'll be really tuned in to these players. We're gonna do a lot of that, but we're we're gonna do a lot of the the uh, the stuff that you know everyone wants to read too. We're gonna we're gonna dive into why the Grizzlies have been so good. We're gonna dive into the areas where they can improve. You know, it's it's important for you know a writer like myself even when everything's going good you have to still be critical cuz that's what coaches do right coaches aren't just saying oh we're at the top of the world we won 11 in a row we're, we're going to be champions coaches are going into that film and they're saying oh Desmond Bain, you missed you you didn't get Devin Booker on that shot you know or there's they're saying you know Jaron Jackson you didn't set a hard enough screen right there he he blew through you on the screen and Jaw didn't have room you know to get to the rim you know they're really going to point out those little small details, even when they're winning. So I, I'm going to do some of that. You know, some people may not like those type of stories, but you, those are the stories you're going to need to hear because when those problems come up in a loss, you're just going to refer back to that story. So, uh, yeah, Sean, we're going to have some fun. We're going to have some fun. But but
0: those those are some of the plans that I have. And I keep saying that the thing that I'm so looking forward to with hopefully the Grizzlies remaining good and continuing to ascend the NBA ranks for a long time coming – The Memphis media, the folks that cover the team, so many great talents, so many great energies, so many great voices, and we're so thrilled and and excited. And to be honest with you, we're all lucky to have you on board and looking forward to your great work. So go, so listen to this show of Locked on Grizzlies. Go read DeMichael's stories. Follow him also for the links to his stories at DeMichael C um, on Twitter, myself at StatsSAC, the show at Locked on Grizz, and make sure you check out YouTube, subscribe there, and on the podcast platform as well. For DeMichael Cole, DeMichael, thank you so much for joining us today. If you'll stick with us for just a second, but thank you for joining us here for the podcast, sir. Thank you for having me, son. Thank you for having me. My pleasure. And this will not be the last time that we have DeMichael. Obviously looking forward to his insight as the rest of the season goes along. For DeMichael Cole, my name's Sean Coleman. Thank you so much for joining us. Enjoy the MLK Day game. Go Grizzlies. And we'll talk to you again soon here on the Lockdown Grizzlies podcast.